I'm David Belson. And I'm Rachel Redan. And this is the Branding London Podcast. The first season is brought to you by Libro Credit Union, a group of epic humans focused on increasing prosperity in southwestern Ontario. They have just launched a new campaign, My Life Here, which fits the theme of this podcast quite nicely. To learn more, go to libro.ca slash mylifehere. The great pleasure of interviewing Adam Kaplan and Shobhita Sharma. They have a podcast called Towards London, which partially inspired this podcast and really what got me thinking about what uh, is going on in London and region and what is our common thread of innovation. So it was a great conversation to kind of cross these two podcasts. And uh, without further ado, here's Adam and Shobhita. Uh, Rachel is here with land acknowledgement, and then we'll jump into that interview. We would like to acknowledge the history of the traditional territory and honor the longstanding relationships of the three local First Nation groups of this land and place in southwestern Ontario. The Ottawandaran peoples once settled this region alongside the Algonquin and Haudenosaunee peoples and used this land as their traditional hunting grounds. The three long-standing Indigenous groups of this geographic region are the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee, and the Lenni Lenape peoples. I'd like to recognize the three First Nations communities neighboring the city of London, Chippewas of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, and Muncie Delaware Nation. We continue to honor the legacy of the space we're in by using the Roundhouse to tell stories, increase collaboration, and work with our clients to improve human lives. We believe that telling the stories of our fellow Londoners will help bring us together to solve problems. Shobhita Sharma and Adam Kaplan, welcome to the Branding London Ontario Experience. Um, before we get started, a quick, uh, just want to give a quick shout out to a couple of folks that are helping. Obviously, Webisodes being one of them. So Adam uh, is helping out with the gear. Um, any technical difficulties are owned by me because I didn't do what he said I should do. So, oops. Uh, and uh, also got some support from Libro and Fanshawe and Western are helping out with some resources for this project. So it's really coming together as a community project. Um, did want to give a special shout out to Libro. They announced that they're a B Corp uh, at their AGM this past weekend uh, as a B Corp ourselves at our traction. We're super excited to have them in the, the fold there. So uh, special news from the community there. Um, with that, we'll sort of delve right into the questions. So um, the first, uh, you know, acknowledgement, I guess, is you guys have the Towards London podcast that you two are co-hosting and uh, I, I've had some questions in the community about the difference between what we're doing with this Branding London project and what you're doing with Towards London. So I guess, um, do you want to give a sort of a brief bio of where you see the differences? Because we've had that conversation sure. in the past. Well, first of all, thanks so much. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things I, I've, I learned when I started exploring podcasts, and I'm sure you've heard the same, is one of the best ways to promote your podcast is to get on someone else's podcast. <laughs> so um, it's really all very meta. So thank you very much for, for being the first to invite us uh, yes. to, uh, to be part of this. Um, you know, the Branding London podcast exercise or this whole exercise in my mind and yes. Shobhita yes. may see it differently uh, and you may see it differently, really is a, it, it put, the yeah, London yeah. comes first, mm. right? It's really about London and the innovations happen, why the innovations happen here, why others should innovate here. Towards London inverts that. Towards London is very much about um, cool and amazing innovations and things that just happen to be in London. So London is the filter, not the focus. Mm -hmm. um, where I think with branding London, 
London is the focus, the the innovations are kind of evidence or experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, the big difference. And I think it's fairly, on the surface, it may not seem like it's a big difference, but in terms of the way we put our podcasts together, oh, yeah. the, the people we talk to, and even the way we, you know, there's no, we never ask a question of, of anybody that is just like, so why are you operating in London? It's just not like, that's not part of the yeah. the innovations just happen to have happened in London. In London. Yeah, I think it's a really um, a cool distinction. And and the reason that I wanted to have you guys on was uh, it was a, a listening to your podcast was actually one of the uh, impetuses to start this journey because you guys were telling all these great stories about all these things that are happening in London. Um, they're not told often enough. And uh, and then I started thinking about why you know why do we do have this culture of innovation um, and what's the common threads mm-hmm. and so I started gathering people together to kind of talk about that and explore. So uh, you guys were sort of one of the seeds in, in listening. So if you haven't listened, uh, I'll give you the plug now. But uh, definitely check out Towards London. You have a few episodes out, five or six mm-hmm. episodes out, um, exploring all different topics. Six plus a bonus. Um, and um, it, it is TowardsLondon.com if I can be so. Yeah, go ahead. Do it. So, yeah. And we're now on Spotify. We're also yeah. you can catch us on on uh, on the website, mm-hmm. on iTunes, Google Play, and uh, Spotify. On Spotify awesome. now, super excited. So about I guess that. you kind of covered the you know have name, function, position, but maybe um, if you want to give a uh, I guess from that lens, the towards London lens, but maybe where you spend your your day jobs when you're not building podcasts. Sure. So um, I work at 3M and I I communicate in the B two B space in my day job, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Otherwise, I can then community involved with um, diversity and inclusion through the Diversity, Inclusion and Anti-Oppression Committee for the C- Advisory Committee for the City of London, um, through child reach in our community mm-hmm. as well. Um, well, and obviously towards London uh, is a pa- is a project of passion. So. And I know from like the audio editing, we also need you to say your name. Oh, absolutely. My name is Shobhita Sharma, and uh, I'm a proud Londoner. Awesome. Great. Adam? Um, uh, my name is Adam Kaplan, and uh, uh, I am uh, the very proud uh, team member at Webisodes. I've got a group of people there that uh, I work with every day, that, uh, and we uh, tell stories throughout our community and beyond um, in a variety of different mediums. Um, I don't know that I've got much more to say than that. Like, That's uh, perfect. I do a bunch of other stuff, and but mostly... Do a lot. I guess the question I'll open up for both of you to answer as well. Um, why do you guys live in London? Why are you here? I know Adam's had some journeys. I don't know your journeys, but why Why London, Ontario? So I didn't grow up here, and a lot of people don't know that about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in New Delhi, India, and I moved here when I was 18. Oh, wow. And uh, my dad decided to live here in London and not like the usual places that come to mind when people are moving from from a different country um, because we wanted to be here. My dad really liked the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? Like I I fell in love with London and this is home. I did go to Toronto for a couple of years and worked in public relations there and I decided to come back home. I feel a sense of belonging mm-hmm. in the community. Um, but with that sense of belonging, there comes um, a sense of responsibility to give back as well. Mm-hmm. So that motivates me to keep going. Awesome. Uh, I um, I did. I, I grew up here. Uh, I left when I was 15 to go away to, to art school. Uh, spent seven years in art school, um, which 
has been both a tremendous benefit to, to my career and then also caused me to, to speak in polysyllabs and, and vagaries that uh, <laughs> don't always help out. Because that's what Shobhita is there, is to actually draw out the prescient point. Yep. from listening she yeah. she can yeah. <laughs> she's like a big this distillation is, this is what adam means to say <laughs> this is what he means. um I, I moved to uh los angeles and then florida and i was in in those two places uh, florida for for a specific job at the home shopping network but i've spent a career my career largely in um transactional media so um that's things like uh e-commerce websites um uh um uh, working at Cineplex Media or what was then EK3, you know, video screens and, and retail environments, uh, and then of course in movies and TV, and um, so that's uh, that's kind of yeah, what I was I doing down in the states. Um, and a lot of folks sort of look at my resume or look at well, the work, my work history, and they'll say, "So, why exactly are you in London? <laughs> why exactly are you in Canada, for that matter?" Mm -hmm. um, I was visiting home in 2003, um, large because I had a little bit of a a visa snafu uh, related to 9-11 and mm -hmm. it was gonna it was taking a lot of time to get reset and I ended up being home for about three months and it took that long to kind of get I, I'll call it deprogrammed but what I realized you know at, over the course of those three months is that we live better in Canada than we realize um, we live better I think in some ways than the life I was leading in the US mm -hmm. although I don't mean to say like my friends and and family that I, I had in the US I'm still very close with and yep. I still adore but um, and I adored my time with them and that's not sort of part of this conversation it's just more of the social structures and I realized we treat each other better in Canada mm -hmm. um, we you know yes we pay higher taxes yes we um, but I think we are freer and we are um, better cared for as a society no matter who you are uh, and that aligns with my values. And, mm -hmm. and I moved back to Canada, made the, the choice to stay in Canada, go down to, to L.A. and get all my stuff and bring it back because I wanted to live in society that reflected those values. Mm. Um, and I have not for one minute, other than a couple of sort of wintry days, uh, <laughs> regretted that decision. Snow on April 18th is one of to those moments. Yeah. So that, you know, I had a similar experience. I lived in Seattle for three years, uh, loved the city, loved everything about being there. Um, the, the most prescient difference other than the fact that they don't have white vinegar um, in the restaurants. I mean, that was a, a barrier for my happiness. Fries? It's it It's weird. Um, <laughs> they do mustard instead, but it was a very long story. Um, but I found that the core difference that I really noticed that stood out for me is when uh, you're at networking events or you're out in the community uh, in Canada. It's like, how's, you know, how's your wife? How's your family? How's, um, how are things going uh, with you in general as a human? Uh, in the states, the the opening line would be something more along the lines of like, uh, "How do your investments do last night? How was the you know the market hit you last night? The the, you know, the Dow moved three points. How's your portfolio mm -hmm. doing?" And it was um, a lot of it was around the the wealth or the economic activity, and that may have just been certain social graphs I played in. But I would say that I would similar like middle class you know connections here, um, and I found that like the to be one of the interesting differences was. Uh, that people tend to lead with family and social connections mm. here first, rather than economic and um, career prosperity first. And it's one of those subtle differences. It's the same thing as you. I love being in the states. I love the city. I love the. I saw lots of friends back there. But it was. It's almost like it's a mirror dimension. It's just slightly different. And I found that that was one of the differences. Would you say that that was a similar? 
Yeah. Um, and anything close to that or just curious? There, um, I don't know that we had the same conversation. No, you know, as I think back on it, we certainly, you know, did have conversations about, you know, particularly tech stocks and people, you know, there, there was a, you know, certainly a, everything was brought back to, to dollars and cents. And, and the reality is that, you know, you scratch a couple of surfaces here and you find the same thing. Oh, it's the same thing. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think you're, you know, with that said, you know, I don't, I, I only know a handful of people that want us to move away from universal health care, single payer mm -hmm. health care um, in Canada, where in the U.S. it, you know, you could, you could rip apart a dinner, dinner party over that. And, <laughs> I may have, um, may have done that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the, you know, here in, uh, in, you know, we, we, we do see it, for instance, um, and I've had this conversation with somebody recently uh, over BRT, and I indicated that my feeling about the BRT debate was that it was largely a classist conversation uh, and mm -hmm. that it, it was exposing an ugly divide um, in terms of privilege in, in our community. And this person who was very opposed to BRT hadn't really considered it mm -hmm. that way and was really disturbed by me framing it that way. And I think that's notable because in the States, that's what, that's, that would have been the conversation, mm -hmm. right? It's, you know, why should, why should my tax dollars go to pay for that person to take the bus? When I think the, um, the connection of that social structure allows that conversation to maybe happen more easily. It's not obviously easy. And I'm not saying that we don't get polarized here in this city mm -hmm. or in Canada in general, but because we lead with the social connection first, it, it's harder to slam the door, I think, on a disagreement but and i well I'll, i can speak to my experience um of specifically living in london mm. i as a young person like coming to london um this was the very first time that i realized that small changes and individuals can make an impact on the community and that was a refreshing thought hmm. for me i grew up in a very very large city yeah. where seeing that impact would have taken um really big connections or a really really long time but that was what really struck me when i came when when we moved here and when i got more involved with the city and with the community and started talking to people mm -hmm. and started meeting people yes it's people people can say that it it is hard to make those connections in london or mm -hmm. get the doors to open but i feel like once that happens it's it's truly transformational mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard um, just on that topic, uh, a few people have brought up some variation of the fact that uh, once you're in the network uh, of London and there's a whole other, I think, conversation that will happen about how hard it is to get into that network. But you are, you know, one degree of separation from pretty much anyone within the city. And I think that's so. very special about London. I don't think people have that level of access anywhere else. And and it's something that we can use positively in our mm -hmm. in our city and in our community um that being said i don't think it should deter people from from knocking on those doors mm -hmm. and from, from breaking down those silos i think we need to do that well i think one of the things that i'm hoping um, some of this you know research and, and conversation will uh, help to realize is where we um, as a system if we have a great system of interconnectedness where are we failing to um, allow people to access that network because if you talk to newcomers to london or some people who live on the periphery and, and are not engaged with the community uh, you hear it as being a very closed off snobbish community and that's not my experience when i'm in it but i also have certain privilege and certain uh, you know having run a business for 17 18 years here i have certain networks that the, maybe that and somebody just coming to London would have access to so 
I feel like it's almost this um, this bubble that if you're in the bubble, it's very fast and quick to move around mm -hmm. and get access to resources. But if you're outside the bubble, it's almost impenetrable to get in. But is it, does it become, well, the the question of access becomes really clear here, right? Or, um, and people may, may argue that it's a two-way street where both the bubble and the individual need to come closer. <laughs> but does is there even visibility of the bubble for the individual? Yeah. To, do you to know break through, there? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. even know that these opportunities, these connections exist? And are we doing a good enough job to let people know that people are actually open to talking to people? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Uh, I, I know, I'll paraphrase somebody from that we spoke to on Towards London, uh, available for download at Towards London. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um, and that was Dr. Joel Fafleck from mm -hmm. uh, Western who uh, talked about, I don't think he spoke about this in our podcast, it was a different conversation I had with him, but that sometimes London can feel like it welcomes you with closed arms. <laughs> and um, he, in our podcast, said that um, London doesn't make it easy. You know, in, in Toronto, you can go find your community, you can go find a tribe because there's such a critical mass. But with London, um, it doesn't work that way. It really sort of makes it, you work for its affections. Mm -hmm. um, and it work, makes you work to maintain its affection. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't sort of... Um, and to a certain extent, I think that's partially because we're 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 a little bit colonial and a little bit wary, um, and that to our detriment. I, I'm not suggesting that that's a, a, a feature or a virtue, um, but I think it we we are we are somewhat um, wary also because I think we've been burned. Um, I think people come to London and they they say I want to become part of the community, and they get to be part of the community and. Then they're like, yeah, so Toronto, see you later. Yeah. And I think so to a certain extent that sort of stems from some of our broader insecurities about our proximity to Toronto and, and so on. Do you think, um, because I would agree with you that, I mean, I grew up in Goderich and had that perception of, of London being very closed off growing up. Do you think that's something that's improving or is that just sort of as we uh, get a little bit older and, and more into the community, we don't see the barriers as much? Is um, a newer comer to the region. New-ish now. New -ish, yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, you're not much older than 18, I assume, so. Oh, no, no. Barely two years older <laughs> than 18, right? No. Um, but in all honesty, I think I think the perception, well, and I'm, I'm so glad we we're talking about branding London, mm. because the, if this is the narrative, if this is the brand narrative that has been floating around, and no one's changed it, then there is either an opportunity for someone else to shape this brand narrative for yeah. us or for this to continue, both of which are not ideal situations for Londoners. Yeah. So I think um, I think the the more the more we let this be out there that we're, we're it's closed off. I mean, yes, to Adam's point, it can't it can it be. can be true yeah. from whoever's perspective you're looking at it from. But I think, um, again, I'm going to go back to the, bu the bubble and the individual. I think the bubble needs to glow mm -hmm. a little bit more so that the individuals can identify it at least and, and know that there, are, that there are possibilities and opportunities in London and that there's, there isn't a need to, to explore Other. communities outside of yeah. London. That's great. Um, I, I, I'm going to ask Shobhita to comment on this as well mm -hmm. by virtue of the volunteer work she does with the city. But I also feel as though 
um, we have a very subtle but very real um, inclusion problem mm -hmm. when it comes to London networks. I've spoken to people who have an, an accent or have a different uh, shade of skin um, or come from a different ethnic or religious background than sort of the, the plurality of folks that we tend to meet in the network. And they talk about how they, they've, you know, they've, they speak fairly open with me about how they don't feel welcome. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not a, I don't think that the folks that are in our networks are racists. That's not my implication. But I think that we have a way of doing things mm -hmm. that were, that, and a way of communicating that is exclusive uh, would, by its nature. I think, you know, you can talk about systematic problems without individual problems. So you mm -hmm. can have a, a community of people who are not racist that produces or propagates racist systems. So I don't think it's that's where my bias comes from. The people in a system can be good, but the system can still be problematic. I think it's also um, owning what we do as a community mm -hmm. together versus pointing fingers and saying, mm -hmm. oh, this is not how I look at things. But but acknowledging that this is how like sometimes London does look at things mm -hmm. and it's it's not right. But it's also not right to say, I can't, like, I didn't do it. That means no one else does it. Yeah. So well, I think one of the things I've been on a, a journey and I've got a blog post about it when it comes to women in technology and women in uh, the business world in general is recognizing that uh, some of the patterns that I've been involved with lead to uh, exclusionary practices or even misogyny within the workplace, even though I consider myself on the extreme other end of mm -hmm. uh, misogyny. But some of the, the practices, when you actually look at them, some of the things that I even did 10 years ago, you can look at it and say, wow, that was, you know, I was not deliberately, but acting in a way that would be exclusionary to certain populations. So I know with our traction um, in the B Corp movement, there's an inclusivity challenge. So one of the things that we're doing is um, for our job postings, we're actually going through a deliberate process to look for uh, those filters that we may actually be using language that's exclusionary. So we wouldn't see it even that we put stuff in there that would make somebody from a more diverse background not apply to that job, but we can't see it because that's not the lens that we look at. And I, th mm -hmm. I think when you look at the city as a whole and some of the policies and procedures and some of the ways the tech companies or other companies recruit and try to retain talent, there's going to be those. We don't even know that there's a problem because we're not asking the right people. And as we continue to grow and as we continue to want to grow into the city that we want to become, we need to start looking at those things. We need to we need to pay attention to the fact that um, our population will change. Like our the demographics will change yes. and they are changing and that um, not everyone's going to have um, a name that we were used mm -hmm. that we would have been used to and I think that's a, and that's going to become a new normal and I think that's going to be a strength if we adopt it absolutely right for sure so I guess we I talk a little bit about my my thesis or my um, hypothesis I guess I'm sort of going from a scientific method here of, of putting out a hypothesis and then testing it but it was around that that human innovation that the common thread between medicine and technology and advanced manufacturing and some of the amazing things that we do is we're that the city is sort of constantly looking at ways of improving the human experience of improving human life improving uh, the way that people use the tools uh, even from video gaming how we um, how we spend our leisure time we're always looking to to make that a better experience for humans. And that was sort of the common thread. Um, but, you know, I've 
found that the word innovation is somewhat loaded and, and people have different different definitions of what that means. So I'd like to ask each of you when you're talking about innovation and you're looking at innovative things with your Towards London experience, what does innovation actually mean to you? So I'll let show so, what to start. What does innovation mean to me? Mm -hmm. um, innovation, well, innovation can mean doing something differently, whatever that whatever that something is, doing it differently, doing it in a way that hasn't been done before. And I think we explore a lot of that on our on our podcast. Mm -hmm. um, we go from talking about innovation and <clears throat> what people would 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 typically think of innovation or innovative an innovative field like like medicare like medicare or um healthcare technology to something like art mm -hmm. which is fabulous and fantastic and i think that was my favorite episode so far that i really enjoyed the art episode yeah. but then also the way we take care of each other in our community the way we um i think um the way, um, the way we're rolling out social enterprises too. Um, I don't know what. Um, what would you like to add to that? Well, I um, what you've rightly pointed out um, is that, and Kapil says this, um, and you can probably have a good conversation with him about mm -hmm. this a little yep. later. Um, that it's become such a buzzword that um, it's and it's come to mean something really narrow when in fact it actually means a lot of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so. You know, when you if you talk to somebody in government, whether in the political sphere or in the bureaucracy, you're going to hear innovation is the key. Innovation, innovation. We're funding innovation. We're finding mm -hmm. innovation um, without really kind of you know use, using it as a mental model or a placeholder without really letting it actually be what it needs to be. Um, it also means that innovation now needs to be quantified. Mm -hmm. uh, I need to have shown a certain amount of innovation <laughs> in the next twelve to, months to in order to justify. be qualified yeah. funding. Mm. And um, I read a book recently, and I've been recommending it a lot, called Messy, and I, I've adored it. Uh, and it actually is reframing a lot of my thinking. Slow. It's one of those books that you read, and you're like, "Wow, that was really interesting." And then six months later, you're like, "It's restructuring my brain." <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few of those recently. Yep. And um, <laughs> you know, it's it without naming it, it speaks about innovation, mm. uh, and it talks about how innovation does not come from rigid grids but rather innovation comes from getting messy um and um so i think you know in large measure when you talk about the humanity uh being the, the ingredient in london that runs through it i think um you know one of the great things about london is that you can kind of tuck away a little bit mm -hmm. right you can kind of um go to your corner or your garage or your um your shared space or whatever it is um, and not be part of the zeitgeist mm -hmm. uh, and not be comparing innovations with the guy in the next or the woman in the next cubicle. Um, and it's that, that opportunity I think uh, is what is driving a little bit of that, that human innovation that mm -hmm. we can, you know, we don't necessarily need to have the same visibility <laughs> from the government funders. When you get to a certain point, yeah, you absolutely. know, you need it. Um, because of the way that Canada is structured in other ways, but yeah, I think that that those for those those starting places, there are, are tremendous opportunities to kind of get a little messy and mm -hmm. and not have to show a business plan to somebody uh, that has been cribbed to to match what that funder wants. Um, where I think in larger innovation centers or centers we think of think, tend to think of as the innovative centers, uh, Ottawa, Kitchener Waterloo to a certain extent, 
uh, and certainly Toronto, um, those that vernacular is so common, and everything has been now prescribed into the Clayton Christensen uh, box of innovation, <clears throat> disruptive and sustaining innovations that that, um, that we don't necessarily have those here. Went on longer than I wanted to there. <laughs> that was good though. So, um, you know, where do you guys see innovation in your your group? You can speak to uh, either your primary role or uh, at your job or out in the community, and then I'll let Adam talk about his work. I'll I'll talk about um, I'll talk about innovation in the way I see we're we're telling our stories now. Mm. Um, I think well. When when Adam came to me with with the concept of towards London and and explained why he thought we needed to do this, I was I was like, this is gold. This is amazing. I'm totally in 100% because this hadn't been done before. Mm -hmm. And if you think about innovation as a different way of doing something, a new way of doing something, this to me was an innovative way of telling those stories of innovation that have taken place in London. We're quiet. Mm -hmm. We're really quiet about our own about uh, our own stories here in London. Um, and this was just a way of bringing those to light and bringing those under the spotlight and 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 becoming little cheerleaders, you know. Um, you, you can know, just say ditto. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think, you know, at, at the company that I'm working at, I'm really focused and all of us are. Um, focused on uh, sort of it's a new mantra for us so forgive me if it's uh, not uh, quite as polished but it's um, telling uh, old stories in new ways and telling new stories in old ways mm. mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of what we're what we're starting to focus around and that means for us inventing new stories mm -hmm. um, you know they may follow the the Campbellian Arist Aristotelian arc or they may you know start to challenge that um, but uh, those new stories are, are we may look at, at traditional mediums to tell those new stories. And then we want to find old stories that still resonate with us and find new ways to represent them and find new ways to, to bring them relevance in our in our world. Cool. So the, uh, maybe um, I can ask this question, but then also there's another question I figured would be slotted better here. The question is where else do you see innovation in the city? And my... Uh, my lead into that is you mentioned your episode on arts with uh, Greg Cruneau and I can't remember the name of the other artist because I'm terrible with names. Jack Chambers. Jack, Jack Chambers. Jack Chambers. Um, should know that off the top of my head, but I didn't. Um, but, you know, that was a really interesting episode. Um, and uh, a few people have brought up uh, what's happening with the Grand Theater and their uh, new season and, or new programming and new artistic direction where they're telling some more, uh, some more regional stories and um, they're creating content to tell the Southwestern. Um, do you see a parallel based on your research uh, into the period of the, the 50s and 60s to what's happening now in the cultural scene in London, but in the performing arts versus digital arts? Or am I grasping at something that doesn't I think, exist? I think it's bigger than that. Um, once again, we have students marching in the streets in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, once again, we have unpopular an unpopular war or at least an unpopular violent, a bit of violence mm -hmm. domestically in the U.S. Um, and we're also seeing um, a renaissance of the region uh, and a return to the region as, quite frankly, our urban centers in Canada get become unaffordable. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we are, I think what we're experiencing is a reverse brain drain. Mm. 
I think what mm-hmm. we're seeing slowly, it's not happening all at once, but, it, but I am seeing it slowly. I mean, yeah, I'm no, seeing, um, and I'm certainly seeing net new educated, talented people enter our city um, more than ever before. And I'm not hearing the griping. In fact, what I'm hearing is, wow, all these village is amazing. Yeah. Um, and the prices are like half of what I would find in Leslieville. Yeah. Right. And um, um, the 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 conversations that we're having are now, um, you know, it's you know, new coffee shops are sprouting up all over the place. And I'm just using these as markers. Yeah. No. I agree, yeah. Rather than than direct measurements. Yep. Um, and I think that that the the renaissance of the region uh, is also meaning that um, the things that are important to us regionally uh, uh, are things that are um, going to be of broader interest to Canadians. Um, and I'm also seeing as a, as a, as a corollary to that, um, in referencing our early conversation, I'm also seeing more diversity enter our city um, and um, more, um, more interesting stories from around the world, which is mm-hmm. what I think Dennis is speaking to, right? Mm-hmm. That they're, they're local, you know, they're locally focused, but they're, they're globally um, aware and they're, yeah. they're we talked about this 10 years ago with Lola having it be the fulcrum of an inflection point where we were amplifying the arts uh, of London to the world and bringing the arts of the world to London and I yeah. think they're doing that very well um, recognizing as well that our audiences and our producers are um, different from an urban uh, group yeah I- as what? a community, sorry. sorry. No, I was oh, just going to say, as a branding person, uh, I love the uh, world curious London proud because yeah. uh, that uh, just that stuck with me uh, and I think encapsulates what they're trying to do. So. And I was going to say, as a communicator, I can't wait to see how we're going to be able to tell these stories, mm-hmm. how we're going to be able to tell our own story of this renaissance that our that our uh, community is experiencing these changes, these positive changes that are taking place in our community. Um, to me, it's very important to know, or uh, at least to to track who's telling these stories, how are they telling these stories, um, but more importantly, like who's being left out, mm-hmm. and what are the stories that are not being told. Yeah. So huge. I'm very curious to find out or or to see how we're going to do this, and I really hope that we do a good job at it. Yeah, I think well, hopefully, actually, some of the the programming later on this afternoon, I think may may address some of that. So I'm excited about that. Cognizant of time, we've got about uh, five to seven minutes left. Um, you know, my net next question is does london have an identity problem we sort of circled around this but put a fine point on it uh, does it have an identity problem how did your family decide to, to come to london uh, how do uh well my cousin went to ivy and he was literally the only other person we knew <laughs> <laughs> but um my dad actually and speaking with him like i i ask him this often and he always says that he liked the city for what it was it was we for him it was a very big difference from new delhi and this was like calm and quiet but also there was a sense of community and belonging and people uh people and neighbors and neighborhoods which was which was um slightly different from a very very large urban metropolitan city (laughs) um but for me that that's the appeal and that's the charm of london Mm -hmm. um we will never be Toronto. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should try to be Toronto. Um, 
and the the faster we 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 get everybody on that same page and start singing from the same note or same song sheet i should say uh, the faster we will be able to pinpoint what our identity is because it would mean right now it means so many different things to so many different people okay. we have so many small narr- like tiny narratives around um around what london is but to come to that one grand brand narrative i think it'll, it'll take some work mm-hmm. but we're we're working towards it we're not there by any means no agreed well, we I started think, on the journey no it's for me it's uh you know, that is the problem that there's a thousand great stories whereas other communities have um a, a narrative that they've been able to either pull out or, or have happened to them um, because of large institutions or large companies or you know in some cases a, a commodity around the city you know with Sudbury you know obviously not uh, currently a strength but you know nickel town and uh you know the so the the ways that regions can get branded come through all sorts of different activities and I feel but. like it's um we're we're kind of in a tough spot right now because we don't we're because we're not owning that story mm-hmm. and everyone else around us gets to define London the way they see London yep. uh, instead of us being able to tell people who we are and I think we need to get there fast well, the national stage unfortunately uh, the the national media tends to pick up our more negative stories exactly. so I think in absence of any other um, storytelling that happens about the region uh, if you were in say Vancouver or uh, Edmonton, uh, you know, your exposure to what's going on in London is pretty much consistently going to be negative, I would think, from what you would consume from a national media. I mean, news travels faster, and I think new, negative news travels even faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we need to start laying the foundations for what we need brand London to look like and be like and feel like now. Last question I like to kind of open the floor with is... Um, is there something I should have asked you guys about that didn't when we covered the podcast website, so we don't need to do that Choice one again. <laughs> <laughs> but are there any other questions that I should have asked you guys for this activity? You know, you guys have d- been doing some similar research and, and digging around uh, to find innovative stories. So I'll just follow up on, on your last question um, and follow up on what Shobita said. And she pointed this out earlier uh, as well. Um, London has a brand. Mm-hmm. Like we 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 do have a brand. It's, we we are people know London, Ontario. Um, you know, you talk to anybody in Canada, and, and nobody's going to say London, Ontario. Where's that? They 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 mm-hmm. know that we're right between Detroit and Toronto. And yep. Mm-hmm. So we, we have a brand. It, it isn't the the best brand, but it's also not one that. So let's look at what we mean by brand, because brand is is something that I think is 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 like innovation. It's, it tends to get <laughs> uh, uh, buzzworded yep. and overused. Um, if you, so brand, and, and I'll say this as quickly as I can, um, the, the brand that London has is, is a brand is a promise. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a brand is a, is a, the creation of a set of expectations that you consistently deliver on. And to a certain extent, London's brand actually lines up with the reality mm-hmm. um, there are places where the brand is is outdated and there are some places where it's not real um, and there's some places that we're we're working on but I think rather than starting with the you know what do we want people to think about London and building that into the brand 
I think we really need to make substantial investments into both in time, uh, energy, and dollars. I think what London Community Foundation is doing with Back to the River mm -hmm. and the city is is um, that's going to do more for our brand than anything else mm -hmm. that I can think of right now. Um, uh, the the discussions of the, some of the tech incubators, including here at the Roundhouse, mm -hmm. <clears throat> the more that the better. The more that they can succeed, the more they will alter the brand of London because they will create expectations that can be delivered on. Mm -hmm. um, and so the narratives are, are important because they are the stories that people tell. But I think at the same time, um, our our actions, we're in, a, we're in a place where we really need to work on our product mm -hmm. um, so that our, our the product that's in the marketplace as London um, can start to shift the perceptions of the brand towards what we're capable of. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's important for me to say as well. It's not just that that we need to shift the product so that we can, because you know we we're we're not capable of delivering on it right now. We we absolutely are, but we need to, to focus our energies and our attention strategically on the things that are going to move us towards the brand that we want to have, um, as opposed to just sort of saying, "Hey, we're this is the brand that we 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 are." Come to London. Oh, and when you get here, yeah, you can't there deliver on that. No, mm -hmm. agreed, hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean it's funny because I have advocated for years that. Uh, running a city like running a business is a bad idea because uh, they're different animals at the same time I do think there's a fundamental similarity which is the the companies that are successful uh, have a vision and their entire uh, the extent that, that organization is successful everything aligns to that that vision or that purpose um, of the organization uh, and it's a chicken and the egg thing because mm -hmm. uh, you know if you're if, if your product's out of alignment with the vision, then people have a terrible brand experience. But if you don't have a strong vision, then it's difficult for the people involved in making the product to align to that vision. So um, again, some of my theory is around some of the decision making challenges we have. You know, BRT being the most recent example. Um, part of the reason that it becomes such a hard problem to have a debate is because there really isn't a, a vision for what we want the city to be. Whereas I think if you had a, a, a vision that everyone commonly agreed to, some of those decisions may be easier. You know, uh, Kate pointed out one of the first interviews that you know, she does a lot in municipal politics and every, everything is all, you know, nobody agrees on any large infrastructure project in a city anywhere. So that's pie in the sky thinking, but at least would give us a focus, you know, in the BRT example, I say we want to be a tech center, an innovation center, uh, you know, attracting and retaining young talent is going to be key. There's research that shows long younger millennials don't want to own cars. So we have to solve the transportation problem for them. So through that lens, the BRT becomes a better solution whereas if you're looking at uh you know if you want to become a retirement community well then you could probably still argue for brt but um you know if you're targeting 50 60 year olds uh who have a who have and want to own cars then your city would have a different infrastructure plan so having those two um things would help with alignment so it's kind of where i'm hoping to start generating these stories i don't think i have the end solution by any means but i'm hoping that if enough people start hearing these stories uh, that we will collectively start to pick up the common threads and mm -hmm. uh, at a minimum say there's some really great stuff going on in London. We can't tell you what the common thread is, but if the common thread is just that there's some cool shit That's happening, cool. come check it out, um, then I th I'm okay with that as an outcome. So with that, 
thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so much. Us. Yeah, it's great. Uh, again, towardslondon.com. If you didn't get it at this point uh, and are, are still <laughs> tuning in, uh, definitely check it out. It was very inspiring to me uh, in framing my thinking and, and desire to do this project. Um, and I'll also just say that the episode that features David uh, will be coming up in probably about three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah, awesome. Um, we uh, just... Uh, uh, going through and edit it and you'll he's uh, um, I, I'm really excited I don't think you know this but uh, the focus is we've paired you with Tima Bansal okay uh, and Amazing. Um, uh, the focus is really on uh, B Corps mm -hmm. and uh, a corporate social responsibility as, as an extension of social innovation awesome well it ties it together with the Libro yeah, so, announcement at the beginning yes. so we come full circle so thank you for being a part of oh, our podcast no, great. <laughs> I, yeah I interviewed I didn't know if I would ever show up so that's awesome thanks guys See you later. Thanks. David and I have put our time into recording the Branding London podcast because we love this city and, more importantly, the people in it. Our traction decided to produce this podcast because this work is aligned with our core focus of amplifying great stories to increase relevance, impact, engagement, and momentum. If you'd like to support us, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash brandinglondon. Your generous support will help us to promote this season into more channels so that more people can hear London's good news stories and it'll help us fund future seasons. To find recaps, videos of some interviews, our Patreon link, or more information about us in this podcast, you can visit ourtraction.com slash podcast. Production assistance for this series was provided by Webisodes. Special thanks to Adam Kaplan for his help with recording the live streams and providing the audio from those interviews. We're also grateful for the technical production support of Michael Dales. Thanks for listening. Like what you hear? Subscribe to the Branding London podcast, like our traction on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs>